Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis about the king of Sodom's attitude, who came out to meet Abraham after his victory to recover his own possessions. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org or on iTunes. We've got just a few days left till the end of the year. We'd like to encourage you to make a contribution to this radio program, Friendship with God. This is a great Bible study teaching program, but it's also an evangelical ministry that gets the gospel out to millions of people every single year. How do we do that? We do it through Israel Restoration Ministries, where we try to reach lost Jewish people with the gospel first, and we also reach Gentiles as well, but we focus on reaching the Jewish people, going to 18 cities this past year, and really it was not only 18 major populated Jewish cities, but also states. I mean, the entire northern New Jersey, you're talking all of uh, Brooklyn and all of Los Angeles and Chicago and Milwaukee and a lot of the major cities that are out there reaching the lost Jewish people with the gospel. So we want to encourage you to make a donation to the Friendship with God radio program. It's a nationwide program, but you making a donation from your station helps keep it on this station in your city. And it's 100% tax deductible. 100% of it goes towards keeping the program on the air, as well as 100% of it gets matched with the donation that you give, and it goes towards Israel Restoration Ministry and getting the gospel out to lost Jewish people as well as Gentiles. And none of it goes towards administration costs. So we want to encourage you to donate to the Friendship with God radio program today before the year end. So please call us now or after the program at 1-800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051. 3051 1-800-247-3051 or you can donate online at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org you can be comforted to know that your dollar not only keeps this program on the air but it also goes towards getting the gospel out that's a comforting thought especially at the end of the year knowing that we're going into what could be the final year before our Lord returns. So let's get the gospel out let's support this Bible teaching radio program call us today one 800 247 3051, or go to friendshipwithgod.org. Here's Tom Cantor with today's Bible teaching program from the book of Genesis. Okay, so if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Genesis 14, and uh, we're going to begin here at uh, verse 16, Genesis 14, 16. First of all, let's look to God now in prayer. Lord, we pray that you would turn our hearts to you, and Lord, that you uh, You would uh, open our ears, cancel out all the noise that would distract us, and open our eyes that we might see our precious Lord. In his name we pray. Amen. Now, Genesis 14, 16, if you follow along here, read. I'll read. And he brought back all the goods and also brought again his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Kedaloemer, and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Sheva, which is the king's dale, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was a priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand, and he gave him tithes of all. And the king of Sodom said unto Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lift up mine hand unto the Lord, the Most High God, the Possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldst say, I have made Abram rich. 
save only that which the young men have eaten and the portion of the men which went with me on Ereshkol and Mamre. Let them take their portion. All right, now, in our last study, we have seen in this area how as Abraham set out, Abraham set out to do the will of God by rescuing Lot in the spirit that he had of this wholehearted forgiveness, because he couldn't do it unless he wholly had forgiven Lot, that Abraham found that he could do all things, including conquering Cato's army of, of tens of thousands with just his mere 318 men. He did that through God who strengthened him. And in verse 16, when Abraham looked back over the success that he had, as it says there, he brought back all all the goods and also brought again his brother Lot and his goods and so forth. That Abraham looked at the fact that he had succeeded. He He didn't know that when he started out, but he had succeeded and brought back Lot. That's quite a statement there in, in verse 16, where it says that Abraham brought all back, including Lot. And as the impact of that statement in verse 16 settles in now on Abraham, Abraham is just amazed to see he's done all these things as God strengthened him, as it says in Philippians 4.13. Kedar also, he had a chance to reflect on this as he went running back to his country, Syria, as a defeated foe. And he's seen that Abraham had done these things. He was amazed, didn't know how. His 318 men, Abraham's 318 men, they were amazed as they had looked back and seen that Abraham had done all these things through God who'd strengthened him. And the king of Sodom was also amazed as he saw from verse 16 all that Abraham had done. And he brought back all the persons, all the spoil, everything that he'd lost, he brought it back from Kedoloramir. And he, and he didn't care how Abraham did it. That didn't matter to him. The only thing he cared about was that he could get uh, the things back. And so Abraham, he's now brought back, brought back everything. And so what happened? So we come now, and what, we, what we're coming now when we come to verse 17 is a new trial for Abraham. It says, the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Kedoloramir. And the kings were with him and in that king's dale. So Abraham returns after weeks of a military camp, a non-stop military campaign, a non-stop adrenaline rush for Abraham. And Abraham is just tired. He's exhausted. And he doesn't know it. But he thinks that his one great battle with Kedol Armour was it. But he's got one more battle to fight. And this arguably could be the harder battle than having to fight Kedoloramir in Syria. Because Abraham now has new fears that he has to face and he has to overcome. This is a new battle for him. When we read these ominous words in verse 17, the king of Sodom went out to meet him. The king of Sodom did not go out to Abraham to praise Abraham's God. The king of Sodom did not go out and say, Oh, Abraham, you did all these things through God who strengthened you. The king of Sodom was described for us. He's a perfect example of what it says in James 4.4. He is the friend of the world where it says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whoever, whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Friend of the world equals enemy of God. And that was addressed to adulterers and adulteresses or those who perpetuated 
sexual sins. And here was the king of Sodom. He was the, this was the world capital of sexual sins, the world capital of homosexuality. And in the king of Sodom, we have the consummate friend of the world. Therefore, he's the consummate king of sexual sins. And he's the consummate enemy of God. So verse 17 says the king of Sodom goes out to meet Abraham. It's saying that the consummate enemy of God goes out to meet Abraham. And Abraham is returned now and he's in his weakened state and he's exhausted. And he comes to this place which is the king's valley, the king's dale, the king of Sodom is the place there. And the Judean desert, right in the Judea desert there, that's, the, that's where Sodom was. And so Abraham returns in his weakened state to this valley where the king of Sodom lived in the Judean desert. And he returns, he's weak, and he's just like he's going into a spider web, Abraham has. And the king of Sodom, he is there, and he rouses himself like a spider, and he goes out to meet Abraham. And so, as we see the king of Sodom goes out to meet Abraham, we see another king of Sodom, like the spider, comes out, and meets another weakened, tired one thousands of years later in the same place, the same Judean desert, and, and that happened. I'll turn to that, if you would, please, in Matthew chapter 3. Matthew 3, verse 16. So, this is a replay now. Matthew 3, 16 is the replay of what happened with Abraham. Where? Not Abraham, but Jesus. And it says in Matthew 3.16, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, surprise, the heavens were opened unto him. Unto him, it says. And he saw, that's the Lord Jesus, he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, surprise, look at this, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Keep going, reading on to chapter 4, verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, he said, he gave, he presented this proposal. If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. So just like Abraham, this was a time of great exaltation, great happiness, great jubilation. Abraham returned from the conquest and the, his mission of recovery, and there was a great jubilation. He was really elevated, Abraham was, in the sight of everyone. And it was the same for the Lord Jesus Christ. It was great jubilation, great exaltation. As we read that in verse 16, how it is baptism, it starts off with this, low, low, look at this, look at this. This is really something. The, the heavens were open unto him. And then it's, and it's, it's all looking at it from the Lord Jesus' point of view. It's unto him, he looks up. He sees the heavens opened up. And just like Abraham was honored as the great conqueror, we see the Lord Jesus was honored as it says that the heavens were opened unto him. And in Matthew 3.16, we are brought to see everything from the eyes of the Lord Jesus. It says he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And it makes us think of what Abraham saw as he returned from the slaughter of the kings. And Abraham saw crowds come out to him and welcome him, and re- cheering him, and rescued, he brought back, he was the great deliverer. And then notice in Matthew 3.17 how the Lord Jesus was further honored with another low surprise 
It says, lo, it says there was a voice from heaven. When has that ever happened before? A voice from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Thunder, voice, great honor for the Lord Jesus to have a voice that by all announcing him, he is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And we see in the Lord Jesus' baptism, this is his baptism we're talking about, and he's entering into public service And we see in Abraham his return from the conquest, his rescue mission, great honor, great exaltation, and yet then comes the trial. It reminds me, you know, when when we had to fight in the patent case, we not only had to fight Nichols Diagnostics in the patent courts of the U.S., but also in the patent courts of Japan and Europe. And in Japan, we fought Nichols with our distributor, Sumitomo. And when we won in the courts, that was a great day. And I, you know, I flew over there, and, and we had a big victory dinner. And it was really something. They had a big victory dinner. They served fugu, uh, you know, that blowfish thing. Extremely poisonous liver. If the knife touches it, you die right away. I always wondered why they did it. I told them, let's not have any more victory dinners. But anyway, <laughs> this to serve this stuff. But at that dinner, they put on me a large replica of a samurai helmet. Big old thing. And then that's when they told me the famous Japanese proverb by the Shogun Shokugawa, where he said, he said, uh, after victory, tighten your helmet straps. And so I took a picture of me tightening it anyway. And so, in other words, after an exaltation, watch out for the counterattack. And that's why we go right from this end of chapter 3 in Matthew into verse, verse, and that wonderful time that happened at the end of chapter 3, and then we, chapter 4 starts with the word, then... Then, at that time, Jesus was led up. Then, when, right after the great victory of his baptism, he broke through the darkness on earth. That's what happened. It's put so well a few verses down of what that meant, that baptism in Matthew 4.16, a few verses down where it says, the people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region of the shadow of death, light is sprung up. The gloom was thick when he came. In all the Bible, you don't have a better description of the darkness of fatalism than this one word, sat, in this verse 16 here of Matthew 4. Sat, they sat in darkness. They sat in the region of the shadow of death. Why did they sit? Because they were paralyzed with the gloom of fatalism. The gloom of thinking that everything has been predetermined and they can't do anything to change who or what will inevitably, who will be saved, who will be delivered, what will inevitably happen because they're either predestined or they're not predestined to be delivered. So they sat. And that's right where the devil wanted them to be, in a state of paralyzed fatalism, just sitting in darkness, just sitting in the region in the shadow of death. It's amazing, as I mentioned to you before, we've seen when they come out of that Islamic fatalism and they're saved, all of a sudden they stop sitting and waiting for the rain to come and then they start digging wells. They're not stupid. They're just paralyzed with fatalism. Now, it was a wonderful thing because there was this victory that happened when light broke through this fatalistic darkness or the shadow of death. And like Abraham, the Lord Jesus was greatly honored at this time. The heavens were open, the Spirit of God descending on him. Here's the voice from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And then comes the counterattack. And it was a counterattack that God had wanted 
Because it says in Matthew 4.1 that the Lord Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And you might ask, of all the people to be tempted, why would the Spirit of God lead the Lord Jesus to be tempted of the devil? Why? And the answer is because of what it says about him. And please turn to that in in, uh, Hebrews 4.15. This very special quality of him is described to us in Hebrews 4.15, which gets at the root of why he was led up of the spirit to be tempted of the devil. In Hebrews 4.15, we read this. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. See, he was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness Led up of the Spirit of God, led up of God into the wilderness to be tempted, so that he could have this special quality of our high priest. A special quality of a high priest for us. That special high priest means that he's not just an ordinary priest, an ordinary priest. He's very, very special. He's not an ordinary priest that lives isolated in some secluded monastery on a hill. He's not an ordinary high priest who can just throw over his head the hood of separation from the real world and then retreat into a life of being separated from what real people go through. Tom, we've been studying a little bit about the king of Sodom and his potential influence on Abraham's life, just as the devil would like to have on Abraham. But the devil is a deceiver, and even our own hearts deceive us. So help us to understand more about deception and our own heart deceiving us. Yes, it's absolutely true that the devil, as we've seen, has all power of deceivableness. In other words, he has a great ability to deceive. But that's not the only source of our deception. And there's a great passage in Jeremiah 17, 7 through 10, that puts it all out on the line so that we can see every side to the picture. It starts off in Jeremiah 17, 7 by describing the man who trusts in the Lord. It said, blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Now, let's just pause here and say this man who's trusting in the Lord realizes that he has nothing in himself to trust in. So instead of trusting in himself, he's trusting in the Lord. Instead of hoping in himself, his hope is in the Lord. That's why it says, blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Then it describes him in the next verse. He shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaves shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. You see, this person who is trusting in the Lord, trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, holding on to him, saying, I, every day, saying, I need Jesus. And he's trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ because he knows he doesn't, he can't trust in himself. He's not trustworthy. And he's he's saying, whose hope the Lord is. He's saying, if you were to, to epitomize, my hope is a person. It's the Lord. I look at the Lord and I say, 
Hatikva. He's the hope. My hope. My hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. My hope is in the Lord who gave himself for me. What happens to that person? Oh, he's a tree. He's planted by hidden waters. People look at him. They don't see that his roots are spread out by the river. They don't see this. But what they do see is the phenomena that when the heat comes, his leaf stays green. That when there's a drought, he's not worried about it. He shall not be careful in the year of drought because he never ceases to yield fruit. Now, that's the person who's trusting in the Lord. Now, in verse 9, we have the person who's trusting in himself, and it says this. That person is in a very bad position because the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Then it asks the question, who can know it? You see, if you don't trust in the Lord, God says, then the only thing you have is to trust in yourself, in your own heart. And your own heart will trick you. Your own heart will fool you. Your own heart will lie to you. you are, your own heart will mislead you. Your own heart will set a trap for you. Your own heart is deceitful. How much? God says above all things. God's qualified to say He says, above all things. And it is not just wicked, it is desperately wicked. Then it asks the question, who can know it? The answer is given in the next verse, verse 10. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. So God says, I know the heart. I am in the business of searching the heart. You want to give me a title? I'm the heart searcher. And God says, I'll tell you what I found when I look in every man's heart. I found a deceitfulness. I found a deceitful, traitor, treacherous one inside of you. Above all things, deceitful, he says, and desperately wicked. That's what I found. So therefore, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Therefore, make the Lord your hope. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. Again, we're coming to the close of the year end, and we want to encourage you to give a contribution to this radio program and our Jewish outreach ministry that reaches over 1.5 million lost Jewish people a year with the gospel, as well as many Gentiles. Now, to encourage you to do that, we want to offer Tom Cantor's book, The Prophecy and Fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ. Prophecy and Fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ, a great book from Tom Cantor, 84 pages, 194 prophecies and fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll give that to you today for a donation of $20 or more to our ministry. You can call us and receive that book and make a donation of $20 or more. We want you to call us right now and order this book at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Once again, that's 1-800-247-3051. If you want to donate online, you can do so at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. But again, for a donation of $20 or more, we'll send you Tom Cantor's powerful book, The 194 Prophecies and Fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's approximately about 2,500 prophecies that appear in the pages of the Bible, 2,000 of which have already been fulfilled to the letter, and 500 are remaining for the future, and everything else has been fulfilled. Many of the prophecies were written hundreds of years apart by different men at different times, preserved by God in Scripture, and prophecies that have been fulfilled in the Bible 
have a 100% accuracy. So it is a statistical improbability that the Bible predicts anybody else other than the Lord Jesus Christ being the Messiah and being the Savior of the world and being God with us, Emmanuel, God with us. This is a great gift at Christmas time. We want you to order this book for a donation of $20 or more. So call us today at 1-800-247-3051. Or go to friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org to donate online. Now, we also want to support you in reaching your lost Jewish friends around you with the gospel. Millions of copies of Tom Cantor's life story on DVD and in booklet form have gone out around the world in many different languages. Millions and millions and millions of copies. And we want to put a copy in your hands to give to your lost Jewish friend. Many have been saved and reached with the gospel by watching Tom Cantor's DVD and also by reading his life story in a booklet form. We want to give that to you free if you call us today, one 800 So we want to encourage you to make a donation to the Friendship with God radio program. It's a nationwide program, but you making a donation from your station helps keep it on this station in your city. And it's 100% tax deductible. 100% of it goes towards keeping the program on the air, as well as 100% of it gets matched with the donation that you give. And it goes towards Israel Restoration Ministry and getting the gospel out to lost Jewish people as well as Gentiles. And none of it goes towards administration costs. So we want to encourage you to donate to the Friendship with God radio program today before the year end. Call us today, 1-800-247-3051. Let us know that you want the Prophecy and Fulfillments book and you want to make a donation towards the Friendship with God radio program of $20 or more, 1-800-247-3051. Thanks for listening and join us tomorrow.